Happy Friday to you. It's been a very, very long time since I've done a live stream direct to Facebook. Um, the last few months, I guess, I've been on the quiet because as you may be able to hear, my voice isn't quite 100% and it's been up and down patchy and quite crappy to be honest at times. So I've been saving my voice for my family and for, of course, my clients who I do a lot of talking with every week. And it is always a highlight of my week when I have the opportunity to do that. Now, I know there's already a couple of people live watching this live stream today. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're in one of my groups and you're watching this live stream, which reminds me, I might share it into the Brave because I'm not sure that it went directly in there. So let's get that happening, shall we? Now, what I want you to do is already have a think about what you'd like to ask. Now, it might be about a business that you've already got. It might be about a business that you're wanting to start. It might be, oh, hi, Melinda. It might be about um, any number of things. Now, what I'm gonna look for and see if I can follow because I'm doing this from my desktop. Normally, I would get my phone out to do live streams and this is how I would normally live stream to Facebook and I would be able to scroll through and see all the comments as I'm going. Um, interestingly, I can see them on my phone but I can't see them on my screen, which is annoying to say the least. We are learning as we go. So I've got people, hey, hey, Judy and Kelly and Wendy from the US. Hope you're surviving uh, the wild weather over there. Hey, Noni, good morning. Now, I want to know what your questions are. I'm deliberately not saying good morning to my husband who is watching and now I'm feeling all funny. Um, I want to know what is the burning question this week in your business? I can share with you a couple of questions that I've had already asked of me this week but I'm going to wait first before I give you those questions and find out if you've got any that you'd like me to answer. So the way this works, you type your question into the comments. I'll obviously be checking them on my phone because I can't see them on my screen here. And I will, <laughs> and my husband said, good morning. Good morning, Simon. Um, I will check the comments and see what questions you've got. Now, the fun thing about a live stream, of course, this stays on Facebook. So if you end up watching later and have a question you'd like me to answer, you can still pop your question into the comments and I will come and answer it back in the comments again. Or I might even save it to our next, the next time we do a Friday live business Q&A. I might get the bug of live streaming and again and do a regular Friday thing. Who knows, this might become a regular live show of some sort. So nobody's asking me, morning Denise, happy Friday to you. Um, I hope you're all having a lovely time. It's, you know, Friday, Friday in lockdown, it has a sort of a different feel to it than Friday anywhere else. It's, uh, it's the last day of homeschooling for the week and um, that means we all get to relax a little bit more uh, than perhaps we might otherwise have been during the week, particularly my kids who are being absolute troopers and my husband who's being an absolute superstar teacher, might I just say. Um, alrighty, no one is asking me a question just yet. So what I'm gonna do is share with you a really interesting question that was asked this week and, and I raise it because it's something I get asked all the time 
and I think it's really, really uh, pertinent. I know a lot of you are trying to recruit staff right now. It's a crazy time. Many, many businesses are suffering as a result of um, you know, restrictions and so on due to coronavirus. Um, and that's also having a, a very strange impact on the availability of staff for businesses who do uh, have work happening and need people. It's a very odd time all around for businesses at the moment. Uh, I know in the mental health sector in particular, uh, where most of my clients are working, uh, obviously there's a huge demand right now for mental health services. And so many, many mental health practices are trying to find more staff. And the flip side is even the demand is up, but the flip side is that the, the staff availability is down. So the question I've been asked most this recent little bit of time, hey Melinda, hey Melissa, um, is how do I trust when I take on a new staff member how do I trust that they're going to do a good job with my clients? And the flip side of that question is how do I trust that this new person isn't going to completely trash my reputation and kill my business? And I would say every, every person I've spoken to in any business sector, if they're employing staff, especially early in their business life, it's the number one fear. The number one fear that somebody's going to kill your business. So the answer to the question is a little bit complex because first of all, you need to acknowledge all the emotional stuff that that's bringing up for you as a business owner. You need to acknowledge that there is a fear there that somebody else has the power to kill the business that you've built up so brilliantly and beautifully. I want you to think about that. Am I actually going to let somebody else have that power? Of course you're not. So I want you first and foremost, before we even start talking about trusting staff, I want you to take a step back and focus on trusting you because you've got the insight into how your business works. You've got the insight into how your clients work. And what I mean by that, you know, when things are going well with your clients, what do they do? They come back. So if you're watching and paying attention to what your clients are doing and you're handing some of them over to a new staff member, and this doesn't matter what your business is, you could be a bookshop or a florist or a hairdresser or a psychologist or any number of things. If you've got a new staff member and you hand clients over to that new staff member, you'll very quickly know if people aren't coming back and you will act on that. You'll start asking questions. If you've got long-term clients that you know and you respect and they have a good rapport with you and you've handed them on to this new person for a change or to ease your workload or whatever the reason might be and they don't come back, you can pick up the phone and ask them, haven't seen you in the business for a while or in the practice for a while or in the studio for a while, whatever it might be, wondering how things are going, is there anything we can do for you? How did it work out working with Joe Bloggs? Was that a match for you? You can ask the question. You can also ask the staff member the question. Hey, I noticed most of our clients tend to come for maybe, you know, I don't know, five or six sessions or treatments or whatever it is, fittings. And I've noticed that most of your clients are coming for one or two and then they're, they're not coming back. What do you think's going on with that? 
and your staff member, if they're insightful, will be able to give you an answer to what they what they think's going on, and they might say, "Yeah, I'm a bit worried that maybe maybe I'm not working with the right client population. Maybe it's not a good match. Maybe we need to rethink how cases are allocated, or how referrals are allocated, or how customers are allocated to me." Someone who doesn't have insight is going to say something like, "Oh yeah, I fix them, they're gone. <laughs> I fix them, they're better now. Bye." <laughs> That would be a warning sign, that would be a red flag. So I want you to trust yourself. I want you to trust that you have the power to protect your business. You have the wisdom and the knowledge and the experience to protect your business, but you also need to grow sometimes. So when you grow, that means taking big fat risks and business is often about taking big fat risks. It's what we all do as business owners. We all have to do this. We all have to say, you know what, I'm gonna put my big business owner pants on and do something that scares the bejesus out of me because if I don't, one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to burn out, my business is going to close down, or I'm going to burn out and I'm going to ruin the reputation of my business. So when your business is growing and you need to take on more staff, you might need to delegate, delegate to administrative staff. You might need to delegate to, um, you might need to outsource some things. I'm actually talking with people at the moment about redesigning my website and uh, rebranding um, my personal brand because I can't be playing around with Canva anymore. That's just as much as I love Canva and it's a lot of fun to play around in Canva, don't get me wrong. Um, but I need to delegate that now. I need to hand that over so that a good job is done because I don't have all the time to give it all the attention it deserves. So when your business grows and you're getting busier and you need to do more things, you don't have to do all of those things yourself. So you have to trust. You have to trust your judgment. That number one happens when you hire someone. So let's get back to this dilemma about hiring. Oh gosh, look, now I've got questions. <laughs> now I've got plenty of them. I should have been careful what I wished for. Um, Okay, I've got some comments. I'm not sure if they're questions. Oh, Melissa's got brand new premises. I know how exciting that feels. For those of you watching, I have signed a lease on premises in Albert Park um, and I will be locating my business coaching business there and I will also be incorporating um, other mental health practitioners into that space who will be providing therapy services. So we are very, very excited. And so watch this space, more will come. So, okay, there are lots of questions now. Excellent, thank you very much. I can see, oh, okay, lots of interesting questions. And, I, and some of them are related to this very interesting dilemma around recruitment right now. So if you're in a service industry, you, uh, which, is, which is a little bit different, I think, to retail. Retail, you, you most likely we're talking about employees. Hospitality, we're most likely talking about employees. Service industries like hairdressing, psychology, um, any kind of mental health treatment, um, massage, beauty, all of these, these sectors, these service industries have a mixed um, range of options in terms of how they build their teams. So you might employ people. Uh, my clinic is based on an employee model. Um, you might subcontract, which means that you have a business to business relationship with another um, independently practicing cl um, clinician or hairdresser or whoever they are, or you might rent space. 
So I've been dying to sit down with a hairdresser or, or a nail technician um, and say, so how does this work? What in, what, what's your model of engagement here? Um, but I'm a bit too polite to ask those questions face to face. But I know that that happens. Uh, chair rentals in hairdressing salons, I know that that happens. Room rentals in uh, mental health practices, I know that that happens. Um, and in fact, my Albert Park practice will have a mixed model. I will have some employees. I will also have some rooms that I'll be renting to a very select few um, people I already know and have um, collaborated with in the past. So when you're in the situation that many businesses are in at the moment and struggling to find staff, it's really important to think about your model of engagement. Think about what can I do differently that might attract people into my business to work with me, to collaborate with me, um, that might be even something outside my normal business model. So for example, your normal business model might be purely casual staff. What we know about the coronavirus is it has really highlighted the vulnerabilities of casual employees uh, when they're having to stay home because they've got a sniffle, even if they haven't got turns out the coronavirus. Um, so, so having a think about your model of engagement, your, your business as usual model of engagement is a really, it's really timely I think now to be saying, well, what can I do differently that might actually attract staff? Can I take a risk and offer permanent part-time instead of casual only? Would that be likely to attract people more than an offer of casual employment right now? And my guess is the answer would probably be yes. Can I take a bigger risk and offer a permanent full-time position? That might be even more attractive. There are many, many people out of work right now looking for jobs and they're pretty risk averse because they've obviously just lost their jobs. Um, <clears throat> so looking at your model of engagement is really important. Having a sit down and a think about why. Why has your business as usual been casual employees? Is it to make you feel better? Is it because employing anything other than casual feels too scary for you. So I want you to, again, trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your gut, put, put the needs of your business above your fear. If your business needs staff and you can't attract them on a casual employee basis, then you might just have to take a big scary fat risk and employ someone on a permanent part or full-time basis. And there are safety checks and balances that you can put in place for yourself in order to do that. You might outsource some HR support for your business. So you might contact Fair Work Australia and, and have a good conversation with them about different engagement models and how that would work. You might in, engage an external HR consultancy. We use EmployShore, but there are plenty others out there um, and I'm not affiliated. I don't get money from um, telling people um, um, who I'm with. What I want you to, what I want you to know is um, <clears throat> It's okay to be scared to take these risks. It's really normal, in fact, to be scared to take these risks. Um, but it's not a good idea to let the fear that you have drive your business decisions. So if the fear of engaging people on an employee basis or um, you know, a permanent basis rather than a casual basis is scaring you, sit back with the needs of your business and say, okay, if I wasn't scared, what decision would I make? If I felt confident in prioritizing the needs of my business, what decision would I make? And go from that basis. Okay, so, um, oh, I've got big capitals from Denise saying my fear exactly. 
I understand. It is scary. I really know it. And look, and I remember the very first time I employed someone and I was scared shitless. I really was. I'll be 100% honest, terrified. Um, <clears throat> but it didn't kill me. There have been times when I thought it might because staffing and, you know, being a boss is hard. Um, but you learn from all of this. So, okay, so recruitment. Now, alternatives. There are some crazy options that you can play around with. If you've got spare space, can you rent that out? So if you've got more space than you need in your premises for the business model that you're running successfully right now, if you've got spare rooms in your psychology practice, for example, or you've got a spare room out the back in your hairdressing salon, can you rent that space out to somebody? So in a hair salon, you might rent that room out to a massage therapist. Might not be the most financially um, fruitful way of using that space, but for now and for the next 12 months, is it a revenue stream that you don't already have when recruitment is so difficult? Thinking about that, okay? Um, <clears throat> same in any business, if you've got space and you could use it for somebody else, could you carve out a corner of your bookshop and have a pop-up, I don't know, homewares shop in there selling things? Get creative, innovate, look to the hospitality sector and see how the ones that are still open, especially here in lockdown Melbourne, have a look at how they're innovating. They're being super smart and bloody brave, so brave and doing things so differently and they're making it work as best they can. It's not the same, but it's bringing in a revenue stream while things are difficult. And that's what you need to be thinking. You need to be creative in what kind of revenue streams you're used to what business as usual looked like, because it ain't looking like that right now. Okay, get creative. All right, let me have a look. <clears throat> so we've got Melinda's, uh, I don't know if it's a question, it's, it's um, multidisciplinary versus a practice of psychologists or mental health clinicians. Mm. I have a multidisciplinary clinic, so I have uh, employed in my team, I have a provisional psychologist, a registered psychologist, a mental health OT, um, and two social workers and I love them dearly so whatever works and whoever you can find so I, I actually think that it's important to again focus on what is the prime goal of your business the prime goal of your business if you're a psychology practice or a mental health clinic is to provide mental health services to your community right so find mental health clinicians which come in many guises and it's up to you which ones you want to add to your team and they're all providing something amazing um, as long as you find the ones that are the right fit for your team no matter what their profession is who's the right fit for your team and uh, you know do they have the right experiences they might just have done them differently to the way you're used to because they're coming from a different perspective or because they're coming from a different profession Okay, uh, Denise what's, is asking, what's the best way to do an expression of interest for staff or room rental? What's best to include and not include? Uh, best, uh, best is an opinion. Um, uh, we've been studying opinions and facts uh, in homeschool this week. Uh, what is the best way? I uh, Look, I don't have a best way. I do have a way um, and that would be social media. So really active on social media, putting out the call for expressions of interest or inviting. So I'm inviting you to rent a room in my practice or I'm inviting you to come join my team and doing that super, super regularly once is not enough. Um, what I know from my profession 
is that um, many, many practices will pay big money to advertise their position and have zero applicants. Um, so you need to weigh up what it's going to cost to do an ad in the formal way versus doing a bazillion Facebook posts and Instagram posts and LinkedIn posts. Nothing. Because <laughs> you're nothing. Because you're nothing but time. So I would consider starting with Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn um, and I would get really, really active and really creative. So be really creative and your posts should be addressed to the person you want to attack. Attract. <laughs> Don't attack anybody, that would be bad. Uh, your posts should be addressed to the person you want to attract to your team. And what I mean by that is you are writing almost like a love letter to the ideal person that you want to bring onto your team and they will recognize themselves in that and they'll go oh my god this is exactly me I can see me in this job the last time I employed a PA and Denise I know you know this story the last time I employed a PA uh, I wrote a Facebook post um, that basically was describing a Mary Poppins kind of a person that I needed to keep me in line but also you know keep my world a bit magical and um, and do all the things I needed doing and I had three people go oh my god you're just describing me exactly and any of those three people would have been amazing um, you know so it, 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 it works it certainly can work really well so that's where I would start and then if you want to you can go further and spend money in other ways um, Melissa brings up a question how to routinely implement satisfaction surveys not clinical ones we do these um, but operational ones how satisfied were they with the overall experience with us so my clinic in Launceston in Tasmania as you know I'm in Melbourne uh, we have a funding agreement that requires us actually to um, uh, provide a satisfaction survey at the end of every session and our clinicians are not allowed to deliver that that has to be an administrative staff member who delivers that so that there's no sort of perceived pressure of course there's always perceived pressure in any of these things and it's delivered via um, a um, an iPad so they're given an iPad and they click on the smiley faces next to each question I just can't remember what it's called though but Melissa feel free to ask me um, outside of the live stream and I will dig up that information for you um, <clears throat> mind you caveat I hate those things I hate all that stuff um, I, I, reason I hate all that stuff is um, it's pretty transparent what you're asking so I don't know if you're gonna get a true and valid reflection of what you need to know um, but if it's something you want to pursue um, by all means I can even put you in touch with my practice manager if you like and you can ask her more questions about it um, Melinda's asking do I have an opinion on leasing versus buying practice premises yes I do I've done both <laughs> um, would I buy premises again um, so we bought our uh, Hobart clinic was our Hobart practice, my Hobart practice, which is no longer my Hobart practice, which is part of the story. Um, we purchased those premises under um, our self-managed super fund. I'm not sure I'd really be bothered going to all that effort again. Um, it is difficult um, to purchase commercial property. It can be difficult. You need a larger um, deposit than a residential purchase. There are all sorts of banks are interesting when it comes to commercial purchases 
setting up a self-managed super fund is a painful and expensive process. So there are lots of things against it. Now that I'm this far down the track, uh, I have sold the Hobart practice now and um, the Hobart practice always paid rent to our super fund. So it was a good investment for the super fund to purchase those premises and, and for it still to be rented out. If it becomes empty, I may have a different opinion. Uh, meanwhile, in Launceston and here in Melbourne, I'm leasing premises and I'm quite happy with that. I don't know what the future holds for either of those locations. It's so early in the Albert Park story and it's... Um, you know, the Launceston story, our rooms are massive, like way, way, way too big. Um, so we may decide we want to move one day. So I like the flexibility of leasing. They're very stable leases from what I can gather. Certainly the Launceston one, we've been there for several years. The Albert Park one seems like it will be a stable arrangement. So... That's my opinion. <laughs> it really does depend on why, why you're wanting to buy versus lease, what your long-term vision is. It needs to fit with your long-term vision beyond your business. So what is your long-term goal beyond your business? Why, why would you be buying these premises? Is it part of your retirement planning, in other words? And if it is and you can make it work and it's not going to kill you in the process, then by all means, yeah, sure, go. And now's not a bad time to be looking at purchasing commercial property given the current state of affairs, just saying. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Christy, hi Tess, do you have any, hi Christy, do you have any tips for how to regularly connect with staff, particularly when you may not always be on site at the same time? Well, I'm never on site with my staff there in, in Launceston and I'm here in Melbourne. And even when I was based in Hobart, I wasn't in Launceston. So my, um, the balance I have now is I have a very active practice manager who is the go-to person and she's even based in Hobart, not Launceston. We have a receptionist who is like the, the moral support glue that holds the team together in Launceston and I regularly meet with my team on a fortnightly basis via Zoom. We have um, a whole of team meeting to start with where we talk about um, any administrative issues, any whole of team plans and things like that. And then the second half is all clinical supervision for the clinical team members. And I've now got clinicians or a clinician, um, and this will be more in the future, I'm sure, based in Melbourne. So I, I have a team that, that is spread all over the place. In fact, my Launceston team, I call them my Launceston team, but only one of my clinicians is actually based in Launceston. The rest are based, uh, one's based in Hobart, two are based on the east coast of Tasmania and one is based in Melbourne. So we are a very diverse little bunch of humans geographically and it works for us. Um, <clears throat> if you have team who need regular and intensive support or supervision, you might want to think about whether or not you add a more senior team member to your team who can provide that so that you're not juggling the support supervision hat too frequently with the business owner, business manager hat uh, that can be a real juggle and can be very stressful if your team's large. Um, so have a think about what your team's structure and your organisational structure is as well. Do you need to recruit someone so you can delegate some of that 
team support. You might even think about nominating someone in your team to be like the team mentor and they might be the go-to um, person for support and encouragement and then you you carve out what you can provide in terms of your time. So for me those Thursday morning uh, fortnightly team meetings I really look forward to them. I love them because I do really love my team and I do really enjoy spending that time with them and um, but it is pretty much all I can afford time-wise at the moment. So it's the right balance for me. So have a think about what's going to work for you. Uh, and Melissa's saying, just settled last week on her new premises. So you bought uh, and it almost killed her. Yes, it is hard work, I know. And congratulations again. That is very, very exciting. Well done. All righty. So I think I have all of the questions. If I've missed your question, I better go back to the top because I did scooch through very quickly. Um, Melissa, you have to let me know the address of your new premises, please. Oh, Wendy, I struggle with going live and not pre-recorded. How do I work on getting over this fear? You just do it, Wendy. You know I've been saying this to you for years now. You just do it. So pretend it's a pre-recorded because it doesn't need to be perfect. I was just telling Denise to attack people before and the world didn't end, the sky didn't fall in. So, you know, I think we can fluff our words and it's just about being a human being. What I love about live formats like this is it is just me and it is just you. It's just you and me. We're just having a chat right now. The fact that there are currently 16 other people watching alongside you, it's just me and them individually as well because they're watching on their phone. It's just me and one other person. That's how it works. That's how it feels. So don't be frightened of the people who are watching because they're there because they're interested. So when you're doing a live stream, think of one person and it doesn't even have to be one of the people who's watching. Think of one person that you want to tell a story to or you want to fill, fill their day with some joy or you want to show them through your garden and maybe start by practicing with, with things like that. Can I just say, Wendy has the most beautiful garden on the planet. She's a green thumb extraordinaire. Um, so you could start by practicing with taking people on little tours, little five minute tours of your garden and talking about your plants and doing that on your personal page. And then when you're feeling braver and feeling like you've got the technology under your belt, then step onto your business page and do a business live stream talking about something in your coaching business. So it's actually, once you start talking, it's not actually that scary. It's the preempting that is scary. It's the pressing the go live button that can be scary. So what I'm going to do very, very quickly, because I'll growl at myself if I forget, is a little bit of a boomerang for Instagram. And, um, and that didn't work. So we'll try that again. Can we get the boomerang happening? Um, because what I'm going to down the track be talking to you about in these kinds of sessions is how you can utilize all of the content that you create in very clever ways across various platforms. So what I just did was a very quick boomerang, which I will share to Instagram and use that to promote the fact that looks like I'm doing a Friday morning thing from now on um, because this has been great fun and I can't wait to do it again. So have a fabulous Friday. Um, I'm excited. We've got, uh, we're in lockdown and of course we've become absolute addicts of food delivery services. We've found all these wonderful creative websites that are 
keeping the profits as much as possible within the hands of restaurants. So we are using those services to experiment with all sorts of yummy deliveries. And today I've discovered a Japanese bakery and we are having morning tea delivered uh, from said Japanese bakery. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to make my morning just perfect having spent this time with you. Have a wonderful day. And don't forget, if you've got more questions, uh, please do ask them in the comments and I will do my level best to answer them. I'll also go through the comments and just double check in. If I did miss your question, I'll answer it in the comments. Have a wonderful day and I will talk to you all very soon. Bye for now.